Let's do it. This is Buccaneers Total Access, Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians. Dropping back to throw Brady. Has all kinds of time. Throws a deep pass far sideline toward Godwin. It's caught. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Bruce Arians. Welcome into the Bruce Arians Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. And, man, I just don't know how else to start other than what is it about the Saints? Can we just exile them to another division or conference or something? No, we just got to play better. Uh, It's a shame because we played fantastic defensively and uh, special teams and offense didn't get it done. And I wanted to hear your message to the team after a game like that. And what goes through your mind as a head coach of what you really want to convey after some tough games? Well, yeah, I think you look at the positive things that uh, we had no penalties and uh, our defense played lights out. And uh, we had the one dropped interception and one long pass that we should have intercepted. Uh, but other than that, we played great. Uh, offensively and special teams, we got out hustled and out hit. And uh, that just can't happen. I know before the season you talked about how much you wanted to make sure that there wasn't a feeling of entitlement after a Super Bowl and the idea that we haven't done anything yet. As long as you guys are able to still accomplish what you want to at the end of the season, can a game like this maybe be helpful to make sure that everyone is on the right level going in towards the end of the season? It can't hurt, but again, you know, a game like this when you lose so many players to injury, it's going to have an effect down the road. Yeah, and that's, I'm sure, the, the big thing on everybody's mind, so we can go ahead and start with that. Are there any sort of, uh, how about we start with Levante David, an injury update on him? Yeah, it's his foot. We still, he, uh, he got an MRI today and uh, we're still waiting on the results. Okay. Just about the same with everybody right now. Every, everybody kind of still waiting on the results. Um, whenever it is a, I know you guys kind of call them hat and t-shirt games, is that something you tend to emphasize to the team or do you feel like you maybe don't even have to do that? You, you, you bring it up, you mention it, this is what we're playing for, we're playing for it again this week. And uh, you know, then you put it to bed and uh, hopefully you're, you're in the locker room putting them on. And do you feel like, as a coach, your your job to keep the team hungry at all? Or, again, do you feel like that's something they need to be doing on their own? Oh, that's something they definitely need. That's veteran leadership. You know, if, if they need me to do that, we got problems. And uh, I've always said this is their team and we'll be as good as they want to be. And um, we've got great leadership. And were there any veteran leader messages after the game? I know you always speak to the team, but did you sense anything about who's going to maybe be that person to step up with those messages right now? Yeah, I, I think... You know, we've got about 10 or 12 guys that I think are fantastic leaders. So a, a few of them spoke, but, uh, you know, everybody everybody wants to listen when Levante speaks. Everybody listens. Well, and speaking of Levante, I mean, just a, an incredible game by him before he went out with injury. Tell me about what you noticed about his play in particular. Oh, he brought it all night. I mean, he, he was playing the run fantastic and, uh, and the pass and uh, just had a great ball game. And, yeah, I think he ended up with 11 tackles, sack, forced fumble, you know, other tackles for loss. I mean, he just stuffed that stat sheet in particular. And, and the Saints, you know, there's some guys like Kamaran Ingram that he was going to really have to step up. What are the things you've seen about particularly going against the Saints that Levante's able to bring, that all those different matchups and why he's so key in those? Yeah, I think both he and Devin, their speed at linebacker negates some of the stuff that they do. Uh, no, Kamara caught a couple passes, but uh, and he was open a couple other times, but uh, they didn't complete them. But uh, we just match up well with them. And, and tell me about Devin, what you saw from his game. Yeah, Devin's back. I mean, that's two weeks in a row. He was flying all over the place, had great energy, and uh, and did a great job checking the defenses to the right spots. And, uh, and again, just just really great leadership. And 
for Joe Tryon, I know he was able to get a, a sack in this game, and, and it felt like maybe he got to show off a, a little bit of his speed. So uh, what did you see from his, his game overall and then that play in particular? Yeah, he showed his speed, and, uh, you know, Taysom Hill can run. <laughs> and uh, Joe ran him down, and uh, he's been getting great pressure. Uh, he's just finishing, starting to finish a little bit more. He's, he's getting better and better. He's, he's going to be a heck of a player. What are the biggest areas of growth you've seen in him from the start of the season to now? Just learning. He's playing a little bit more inside now and um, learning more jobs so we can get him on the field more. And uh, But his speed, the power, all the things that uh, he's just still working on his toolbox a little bit and he's just going to get better and better. And I know that Coach Bowles' system, guys talk about how it is um, intricate but not necessarily complicated. But for a guy like Tryon to come in as a rookie and have to learn multiple positions in a guy like Coach Bowles' scheme, what does that say about his ability and maybe what are the, the biggest challenges of that? Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, all the assignments, you know, whether you're a three technique running games or you're a stand-up and outside linebacker. So all the jobs that he's doing, and, and Joe's bright, so it's, it's not a problem. Outside of him, uh, what did you think of the other outside linebackers games? I thought we played really, really well. Got good pressure. We gave gave up the quarterback option a couple of times when we, we took the dive instead of the quarterback. But other than that, we played pretty solid. And, uh, yeah, we, we brought up Kamara and Ingram a little bit earlier. But, yeah, Kamara held to 18 yards on 11 carries, Ingram to 10 yards on 9 carries. That's a pretty incredible stat line. And we talk all the time about how much you guys pride yourselves on the run defense. Why do you think this game in particular you were able to shut down not one but two incredibly talented backs? Yeah, just the intensity that the, the front five brought and then freed up Devin and Levante to just run and hit. And uh, that's what we're designed to do. And our, and our secondary tackled well. Yeah, and, and you brought up the front five, but we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, your outside and inside linebackers. How about your D-line? Any guys in particular that really stood out with their performance? Will Golston had a heck of a ball game. I think just the entire group, Nacho had a ball Vita, everybody's just played really, really well up front. And where have you seen that position group grow this season Is in terms of maybe where it's been playing some of their best ball or not? Was this game one of those? Yeah, it really was. It really was. And uh, we could have got a little more pressure uh, from the interior, but overall, you know, the Stopping those quarterback runs, we knew it was going to be big. Yeah, and that actually was going to be my next question. So looking at th that was one of the biggest differences, of course, from first matchup to second matchup was that Taysom Hill was the quarterback. How did you feel about the game plan you guys had against him and the way that, A, the plan was, but then the execution of the plan as well? I thought it was a great plan. And I, really, other than two plays, I thought it was great execution. You know, we gave up a deep ball that we should have turned around and intercepted. And we had the guy covered. And, uh, and we dropped that interception that would have kept it in a one-score game. But other than that, played really good. Yeah, I know Andrew Adams would love to have that play back, but overall, uh, what did you think of, of his play now these couple games in a row that he's had to step up and play some, some big really roles? really solid. Made a couple really good plays on third down, good tackles, and uh, yeah, he's, he's been playing very, very, very good. And you had Winfield out, Whitehead back. You just basically kind of swapped one safety for another. I'm sure you'd love to have everybody back, but um, what was it like to have Whitehead back out there? Well, you know, he's great in the running game, too, and, uh, and he, he brought it. I mean, he was, he was knocking the edge back every time, and, uh, you know, it, it, one of these days we're going to have them all back. I mean, we had Dean and, and Winfield out, but, uh, you know, they look like they might all be back this week. Okay, and when Winfield isn't out there, what are the biggest things that you miss from him? Well, his ball hawking skills, same with Mike Edwards, getting him back, you know, uh, he doesn't drop interceptions, and uh, so it's uh, – you know, gives us ability to break on some balls and maybe get some more turnovers. 
Yeah, I know that uh, Callaway was really the only Saint to do very much against you guys, uh, and, and mainly it was particularly early, that you know, 140-yard catch. Uh, what was he doing that, that worked well against you guys, or what didn't end up working on the defensive side against him? He just played the ball better than we did. <laughs> you know, it was just They lobbed one up in there, and he's, we ran past it, and he jumped up and got it. There's really nothing special about the play. Yeah, and overall, I, I think looking at what you know the Saints offense can can potentially be. Um, what was it that you think this defense was able to really show you for moving forward? That what would apply outside of just the Saints game of where this defense stands at this point in the well, year? A lot, a lot will carry over this week with Cam Newton and the quarterback runs, you know, and how we defended them and uh, knowing that we can get them stopped. And uh, we didn't do a good job on Josh Allen, but we did did on Taysom, and we have to do it again on Cam. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians wanted to talk a little bit of special teams. We just talked about defense. So uh, Bradley Pena, I know, had been listed on the injury report a little bit. So um, he had one really great punt and then a few that I know he'd like to have back. Overall, what did you think of his game against the Saints? It wasn't up to par for him. Uh, I mean, we should have we been kicking some balls down inside the 10, and then that run poor punt right down the middle, they got the big return on. I mean, just got to do a better job. How much did you think that it was, I mean, when we see a guy on the injury report, you know, we never really know what that means of how significant that is. How much was injury versus just his play overall? It's just his play. I don't think the injury had anything to do with it, but, uh, you know, but we missed a field goal and we, and we didn't punt well, so our kickers had to do a better job. Yeah, and I was going to ask uh, if you've had any conversations with Suckup about what's been going on or know what, what's been happening recently. You'd said that you know definitely got to be better and not up to par yet. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it can't, can't continue, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, we'll see what, what we're going to do this week and, uh, and see how it goes. And how about Jalen Darden in the return game? I know he had an 11-yard punt return at one point, 17-yard kick return. What did you think of his return game? I thought he did a real good job judging and, and inside the 50 balls and um, played one off the bounce and got a 9-yard return, which was big because they probably would have got it on about the 2. And I thought he, did, he made good decisions. Okay, and how about the coverage teams? What did you see from them? I know that there was one longer return than you'd like. Uh, Delaney did get to down one at the one. Triner had a, be, a, a few uh, pretty big plays there. So what did you see from yeah, the coverage? Yeah, when Zach's making tackles, we got a little bit of a problem. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but we, but yeah, we get, it was a really good night other than the one, two plays, the punt return and the roughing the punter. And I know that uh, Pat O'Connor, another guy that went down with injury that I'm sure a lot of the other guys are the ones that people are paying a lot more attention to, but um, he's, he's a really big part of this special teams unit. So, um, A, do we have much of an update on him yet? No, no, he's still in the MRI tube also. So uh, we'll know more on Wednesday about a bunch of these guys. Okay, and then if he isn't able to go, what does he mean? Because I do think he is one of the more unsung yeah. guys in some ways on this team. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy that plays on all the special teams. He's a core player, and uh, he will be sorely missed. I imagine that there haven't been too many defensive linemen you've used on special teams in those ways No, they're very career. rare. They're very, very rare, and, and Pat is rare. That's so true. And uh, how about some other guys that have maybe impressed on special teams? I just think we, we don't always give them the credit due, but they make a big big difference on the game. So who are some of the unsung guys otherwise on the coverage well, teams I this year? Well, I think K.J. Britt and, and Grant Stewart, other than Grant Ruffin, the kicker, and that was just a rookie mistake of going for the wrong side. And uh, But they've been playing lights out on teams and making tackles and holding up people. Uh, Kevin Minter, I mean, that, that, the whole group is doing pretty solid most of the time. This game, we didn't, we got out hit. I know uh, Brady ended up getting sacked four times, all on third down. Uh, it's his first four-sack game as a Buccaneer. So what was it about this particular game, Saints defense, what we did, what they did, that led to a very um, unusual stat line? Yeah, yeah, our offensive line has been playing great all year. And uh, we, had some, we had some leakage, but we also had some coverage sacks where we weren't getting open, especially after Mike and Chris went out. Um, 
we weren't getting open quick enough and, uh, and making Tom hold the ball, and that front's going to get there. I know he finally hit 200 yards passing, basically about a minute left. Until that point, he had his most passing attempts in a game without getting to that 200-yard mark that he'd ever had. Um, so I know there were just so many weird things, whether it was injuries, um, you know, just things that weren't flowing on offense. What did you think about Brady's game overall, kind of aside from the things that were out of his control? Yeah, I think Tom was playing solid. I mean, um, I know he'd like to have the fumble back, but uh, you know, he was making a, making a play on that. and. Uh, but other than that, we just got to do a better job protecting them, you know, and, and run the ball more consistently. Yeah, and I saw the, at the beginning of the game in particular, just a lot of throws that didn't end up, I think, running the ball until the second quarter. Um, what was sort of the reasoning behind that? And I think that was a similar thing to the, the game before. We're starting off um, with a lot of passing plays early in the game. What's, what's kind of the thought process there? Uh, a lot of them are run pass options, and, uh, then the, and Tom likes to pass better. So then <laughs> <laughs> second quarter, we did get to some runs. Yeah, that sounds like a typical quarterback yeah. decision there. Um, so I know you said that we don't have a lot of updates on Mike and Chris yet, but how about what you saw from each of them maybe before they went down with an injury in the game? Well, Chris was having a heck of a game. Mike went back in and, and made a big catch, uh, and, um, but then couldn't, he couldn't continue. But uh, Chris was going to have a big game. I think they both were going to have a big game. It's a shame. And I know that the next man up has unfortunately been a phrase that we've had to say more times than uh, anybody would like to this year. Does there get to be a point where um, that's not even as feasible when it's the next, next, next man up, and you do have to kind of change some things when it comes to yeah. play calling or what you like to do. Yeah, defensively, we, you know, we've been through it all year with the secondary. Hopefully, we'll get them all back, and it does change how you call the game. Uh, offensively, when when you start losing guys like Mike and Chris, young guys have to step in, and um, we, they need to play better when they get their opportunity. Yeah, and, and so tell me about some of these uh, some of these young guys and, and what you saw from them and would like to see from them. How about Scotty Miller first? Yeah, Scotty, I mean, he had a couple catches, but uh, he just needs to get off press coverage a little bit quicker and faster, you know, and uh, he, he's always struggled with big corners who press him, and, uh, and then he can't use the speed. Uh, Tyler, Tyler played okay. He can block a whole lot better, and, uh, and he needs to do a better job of getting open when Tom needs him. And uh, he got covered one-on-one -on -one too many times in that game. Jalen Darden got targeted, didn't catch anybody. He was open a few times. And then how about Keyshawn Vaughn? And this is a guy that hasn't had a lot of opportunities to get in there. And um, what did you see from him and, and what you'd like to see moving forward? Yeah, yeah. Keyshawn can run the ball. And uh, I wish he trusted his hands a little bit more. You know, he stumbled on one, dropped one. And um, those are plays he can make. And he can make big plays for us. And uh, he's going to have to down the stretch. I know another guy asked to make some, some big plays was Rojo. He came in and had two back-to-back -back really impressive runs of, I think, 12 yards and 30 yards. And um, What did you see from him in, in his times that he was coming in there after Fournette went down? Rojo was running really well, and he caught the ball really well. And uh, with Lenny getting hurt, it's all on his shoulders again, and uh, I look forward to that one. Yeah, and I know that uh, Fournette you know, has just become such a huge part of this offense, I mean, basically it was kind of funny to see as everybody talked about the injuries that you were down your top three pass catchers on the team because Fournette is now considered one of those. So what has he come to mean to this offense and what does losing him mean? Well, he's a very excellent dual threat back. He can run, he can catch, and he's a good pass blocker. But, uh, yeah, you're taking a lot of catches out of the game and uh, those other guys are going to have to pick it up. I know that, yeah, you'd already thrown to him four times on the opening drive alone. And uh, are, are, the, are you looking at using Rojo in the same exact way, or would it kind of make you guys alter a little bit of how you use people because they're not quite the same kind of back? Yeah, we'd use them in different areas. Um, but they still have to catch the ball, and, uh, and so it's uh, – and they can do it. That's not a problem. So it's just 
yeah, we'll use them differently. And in this game, was it a moment where you really started to feel the loss of, of Gio Bernard as well? Well, yeah, anytime you start losing starters, it, uh, it adds up. And, uh, you know, he's, he's another guy that plays really well on third down, and we didn't have him. I know that the, the moment probably you realized that just nothing was going to go the team's way on offense was when the usually typically the most reliable connection that exists is Brady to Gronk, and then that one just wasn't even seeming to work. What seemed to be interrupting that connection in the game? Yeah, we dropped a couple balls we don't usually drop and, uh, and didn't make a couple throws and catches that we you'd normally see those two make, that fourth down play or third, third down play. And, um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those nights. And it seemed like, yeah, when you have so many offensive weapons go down, uh, that maybe the, the depth of your tight end room was going to be used a little bit more. I know that Cam ended up only with two catches, 22 yards. OJ didn't end up with any catches. What was the either the Saints were doing or our offensive scheme was just not lending itself to the idea of using them a little bit more even when those other guys went down? Yeah, I mean, they were out there. just got to get open. I mean, you got to get those open. Those minor details uh, yeah, of football, you got to get know? open, yeah. That's, that's a big one. And I know that uh, the timing will end up working out really well with being able to have Antonio Brown back. And I, I know that when you bring a guy back when he's not been in for a bit, it's a little different when it was an injury versus just being out. So were you wanting to maybe be able to ease him back in a little bit or that now maybe that's not an opportunity with so many guys being hurt? Or did you plan on kind of thrusting him back in there completely? Yeah, we're going to put him back in. It's just a matter of a snap count, you know, see what kind of shape he's in. And uh he should, be, he should be ready to roll with just, I don't know how many plays. We are looking forward to that Panthers game, and you brought it up a little bit earlier in the show about the idea of these mobile quarterbacks. You guys have had to face a whole lot of them, it feels like, recently, and uh, you'll be doing it again this week. So uh, Cam Newton facing him, what are the biggest things to keep in mind? Well, for Cam, it's getting him on the ground. He's a big, hard tackle, and uh, they're doing a lot of the same stuff we just saw, you know, the last couple of weeks. Uh, but again, he does some things that are just very unique in running and throwing and RPOs and stuff. And then P.J. Walker is coming in, and he's throwing it all over the place. So um, they've got a ton of talent offensively. Yeah, outside of the two of them, what are the biggest things that you've noticed offensively that you guys are going to have to look out for? Robbie Anderson, he can take the top off quick and uh, more. They've got great receivers. Uh, Hubbard, the young back, is playing really, really well since McCaffrey's hurt. And uh, they've been pretty much healthy. So. Um, you know, other than their quarterback situation. So uh, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. And how about on the defensive side of things for them? Those two outside pass rushers, Hassan Reddick and, and Burns, and those two cats can really bring it off the edge. And uh, we're going to have to do a great job. Our tackles are going to have to play a hell of a ball game. When you know you're going to face a team two out of three weeks, uh, how does that, if at all, affect the way you game plan or what all you roll out? Do you try to hold some things back to have something else two weeks from now? No, you, you go all out, win the first one, and then see what happens with the second one. But uh, we got to win this one. How does it affect uh, what you do or, or, or try to do when you are playing a team two times so close together? It really it doesn't. Uh, the game plays itself out, and then you come back in two weeks and, uh, and see what's, what they're doing, if they've done anything different, and what you're going to do differently. And uh, in week 16, 17, you ain't doing a hell of a lot much different. Yeah, that's very true. And of course, you're going to be basically traveling on Christmas Day, and I know you are very used to the whole working on Christmas. Holidays don't get to really be a thing very often in the NFL world, but do you try to have any holiday traditions or things you do with the team or ways to celebrate as a, as a football family? Well, we, we try to make, I make sure everybody is out of here early the day before Christmas Eve. So those of us who always celebrate Christmas Eve, you know, because our names start with A, so we, we went first. <laughs> and uh, and then we don't come in until late Christmas Day. So they have plenty of time with the kids and, and the family. It's, it's too big of a holiday uh, to let football get in the way. 
I love that. All right. Well, Coach, good luck this next week, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday. You too. Coming up on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health, is defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. It's intercepted, picked off down the sideline, 20-15-10-5, touchdown Tampa Bay! Touchdown Buccaneers, Jamal Dean! Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. First half of the show, we had head coach Bruce Arians, and now I am so excited to be joined by defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy. Keith, thanks for being with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. I, I love talking to you because you have the coaching insight, you got the playing insight, you've been here forever. Uh, and I, I hate to have to bring you in here after such a brutal game. You, you drew the short straw for sure this week. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the game to begin with before we dive into you and coaching and what you guys do. But um, well, let's just start with for your special teams. I know is definitely where you're most involved. Uh, how about the, the punt and kick coverage in the game? What did you guys think of that performance? I think for us, we're just, it's never as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. And you want to try to be the same person, the same coach, the same player after every game. So you don't want to come in after a loss just beating guys down and all upset. But then you don't want to come in after a win just pounding your chest and from that aspect of it. So for us, the biggest thing is making sure we keep coaching the guys up, making sure we keep trying to get better every week, and then just learn from your mistakes. And I know that uh, Suckup ended up having to miss that field goal and had missed an extra point recently. So um, how, how do you guys tend to work with him on stuff? What do you hear about what's led to some of those misses or how he's feeling about it? I think for him, just making sure he just keeps attacking, like his day-to-day -day process. He's a vet, but you can't get comfortable saying, oh, I'm a vet, I'll fix it. So just make sure he's actively trying to fix it. He's actually doing the things that got him to where he is. And sometimes for us, just reminding him what he's done in the past to get to where he is now. Yeah, just reminding him of where that success has come from. What are the things um, about him that have led him to be a guy that to this point had been so consistent for this team? You know, what are the things either mentally, physically that have really worked out so well for him here as a Buccaneer? Probably his mental approach to the game. I'm pretty, well, I don't know how much you pay attention like in between plays and stuff during the game, but you always see him constantly working on his technique. You constantly see him visualizing, trying to get those mental reps. If it's a stop at the end of the clock, he's going to sprint on the field and try to get that mental rep. And he really approaches every, um, every swing on air as if it's the game-winning kick, so no kick is a, a different kick to him. And then how about Bradley Penny? I know he had shown up on the injury report uh, the, this last week before the game. Um, how much did that end up being a factor in, in the game? Because I know he this is not a game that he would have considered his, his best or what he views as up to par for him. So how much was an injury thing? How much was just other factors in the game? Uh, he's been battling all year, and that's part of being in the NFL, being a veteran, getting a little older. You have to learn to play with injuries. Everybody's hurt. He's learned. He's been dealing with it all season. Most people don't know that. And it's just one of those things when it happens, just keep dealing with it. Same thing. I'm going to keep repeating the same thing. Like go back to your mental process, your day-to-day -day process, and just get back to what got you to the success you're having now. And what are the things that have made him successful as well? I mean, not to not only be a punter, but the kickoff guy, that that's not something asked of every punter around the league. So what are some of the biggest strengths that, that he has had up to now? His biggest strength is probably his natural leg talent, just how far he can kick the ball, his leg strength. And then that allows him, whenever he wants to find more um, accuracy or be more precise with his location, he can take some off instead of just trying to fire it away. But then when it's time for him to fire away, he has that probably one of the, well, not probably, he has one of the strongest legs in the NFL. So it allows him to kick those kickoffs out of bounds. 
And you probably have a unique perspective on this next question, having played here for as long as you have and then now coaching here. Um, what is the deal with the Saints? Why do they have our number, it feels like, especially in the regular season? The Saints, they're a well-coached football team. They play hard and they play with a ton of energy. So I think for us, the biggest thing when we play them, we got to realize we have to match their energy or exceed their energy and make them play at our level. And we got to go out there with the mindset that we're going to take it from them and not just let it come to us. And Jalen Darden's a guy that you guys you know, brought in for his primarily his return skills, and uh, he worked his way into that starting role as the season went on. I would love to hear what you've seen from him from day one of coming in here to now of, of what – got him to a place where you guys had that confidence in him to be the guy? So just seeing his natural talent um, coming from college when we were evaluating guys, and then just he was thrown, a lot of stuff was thrown at him, offense and special teams, whether it was learning all three or four different spots, at the receiver spots, and just trying to see what he can, um, he can absorb and take in. And a lot of times you'll see um, from a smaller school guy like that, it can be overwhelming at first, but then you see the way he worked day in and day out, and then seeing him finally get a chance. And you see him as small steps, but you see him growing every week, so it's always good to see. Yeah, and what are some of the things that uh, you guys saw from him on maybe this last game and his returns or just some of the games that uh, maybe have stood out a little bit more, That the things that he's really good at and then the things you guys are still working on him with? Just being decisive. Like right now, everybody's trying to help him out, which isn't always a good thing. So he's getting so many different guys are saying the same thing, but everybody has their own perspective of it. So really just trying to make sure he has that one voice, uh, Armstrong in his ear, where he'll start reaching out, trying to get other guys to help him, which that's what you want from a young guy. But it's not always a good thing because I might say something a little bit different from Armstrong and then uh, a veteran like uh, a Mickens or a uh, Bernard might say something a little bit different like that. So just making sure he's decisive, um, he's setting the returns up the way we want to set him up, and then just letting the natural ability take over. What are the, some of the most challenging things about being a return guy that that people don't always appreciate? <laughs> the first thing, uh, just catching the ball. <laughs> right. They make it look so easy, especially catching punts. Like, that ball moves so much, and these punters are getting so talented. They're getting so creative where they can hit the ball up or they can make it turn over and then go one way. They can make it not turn over and come back the other way. They can flutter it, make it like, like it's like rocking like a baby in a high chair or something or a baby <laughs> in a swing right now. So the first thing is just catching the ball. The second thing is just being calm when you get – 11 guys running at you full speed out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that alone. I would just be running the other direction. Like, here, here's your ball. That's, that's it. You get it. <laughs> Sounds about right. Like, I remember me, I had a chance to be a punt returner my freshman year of high school. And first time, boop, boop, ball went right through my chest, right oh. through the ground. Never returned one again. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Your one chance. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to know if you went back and told that coach you're now coaching special teams. <laughs> oh, he knows. <laughs> that's great. We're talking to defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy. Um, I know that Pat O'Connor was one of the, the many injuries of this last week, and therefore he, I'm sure, compared to guys like Godwin, he wasn't going to get a whole lot of attention for being injured. But for you guys on special teams, he is a huge contributor. So tell us a little bit about what losing him will mean and, and just what he has meant to this special teams group. I mean, he was our leading snap guy on special teams, probably, if I guess, probably 50 or 60 snaps more than anybody. He was one of the rare six-phase guys, field goal, field goal, block, punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. Like, he could do it all for us. And he was really like our tone setter, the big guy, 290-pound D-line. You don't see that often, um, whether it's on kickoff, on punt, punt return. Just setting that tone. You always hear the other coaches talking about him. Where's the big guy? Where's the big guy? 
<laughs> and then for me personally, just seeing the way he stepped up, like his mental approach to the game, because my last year or two here, he was just a young wide-eyed rookie coming in. And then now to see him taking over, like, let's go, like, whatever it is. We need this play or make sure your eyes are here. Like, saying that growth from him is pretty impressive to me. And the fact that he is a D lineman on special teams, you said that they all call him the big guy, you know, on the <laughs> other side of things. Explain how unique that is and the ability, the fact that he has now contributed on special teams, but then he's also made some plays as a D lineman to be able to do both of those things. First of all, that's one of the things I try to preach to the young guys is if you can become good at special teams, it allows you to grow on offense or defense. Because if you have that special team role, as a, which you got to have as a backup, that'll allow you more years to grow and develop on offense or defense. But then, so special teams is all about playing in space. D linemen, they don't do that. They're not asked to do that a lot. One, because they're 300 pounds. So it's a lot hard to move around in space when you're 300 pounds. But then also it's top end speed. Like with these GPSs, then you can see how fast guys are going. And he's running the same um, as 230 pound guys. Maybe he doesn't start as fast, start stop as fast as them, but his top end speed is right up there with some of the 230, 240 pound linebackers and tight ends and stuff in the NFL. That's incredible. Uh, I know that there was a, a big emphasis on special teams in the draft this year, which had to make you guys excited. I always feel like coaches are always lobbying for their group. <laughs> to be the one that's important in the draft. But um, what do you think it was that led the team to have that be such an emphasis? And, and how excited were you guys to know that that was a big point of who you guys drafted? I don't think it was no secret. Just all the veteran guys we had coming back, there wasn't really any starting positions open. Like we were loaded from uh, top to bottom on our roster that way. So the one area we thought we could improve was special teams. So being a special teams coach is always exciting when you're like, okay, we're going to get some fresh blood. We're going to get, not fresh blood. But some... <laughs> <laughs> that may be exactly how it is up here. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're going to get some uh, just fresh talent, fresh yeah. guys, exciting. Yes, you always love when uh, young guys come in. They bring a new energy, a new sense of energy, new sense of urgency. And they're always willing, not always, but they're willing to learn. And you get a chance to teach yeah, I'm hoping to see you guys the next time there's a new group of guys come in, you're just saying fresh meat at them as they walk out to practice. So I know uh, KJ Britt and Grant Stewart were definitely two of those guys that that was a big part of what you know we saw in them bringing them in. So what have you seen from them so far in, in practice and, and their contributions? Uh, energy and physicality. Um, they both, they love football, they love competing, and they love to run and hit. So that's a big part of special teams, just run and hit and then just to want to. And both of them have they constantly asking me questions, constantly asking Armstrong questions, constantly reaching out to the Kevin Menners, the uh, Pat O'Connors, and just always just searching for answers and how can they better their game. And what are some of the other guys that are coverage team standouts? I just feel like we don't always, you know, they're just such an unsung group of people. That, that And I think a lot of people even just tune out when maybe the kicks are happening. That kick and especially with all the rules that have happened that make you know some kick returns a lot less likely and so I want to let you guys kind of shout out some some people on the coverage teams that you feel like deserve it. So Cam Gill he's still doing a heck of a job for us did a good job last year. D Delaney's came a long way. Um, yeah he's he on the down that kick on the the one or something this last uh -huh. game right? Yeah. Like so he showed up it might have been the first day of training camp. Um, nobody really gave him a chance nobody knew who he was and then all of a sudden makes the 53 and one of the top guys on our team. Kevin Minner is that leader, that steady presence. Ross Cockrell is a guy that I don't know if guys noticed, but we he never played punt. And then last year, Armstrong had to train him up for the Super Bowl. 
So that was wow. the first time that he ever was on a punt team. And now he's been there all year, except maybe one or two games when he started. We gave him a chance to get get that rest, but he's been crucial for us. Um, Andrew Adams always does a good job. A lot of the um, the roles you don't see, not the splashy roles, whether it's, okay, we want you to go vice their best gunner, go double team their best gunner, SM. We want you to single block on kickoff return their best guy on kickoff. And that's not always a fun spot, but he just does it grabs his uh, lunch pail and goes to work. That's awesome. All right, we still have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access. Hot ball! Touchdown Tampa by Antonio Brown! Brought to you by Advent Health. What an answer by Brady in the box! With head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. We're back here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health, and I am joined by defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy. Uh, what are some of the things that are different about coaching special teams versus other position groups? So I don't think guys, they grow up wanting to be a Hall of Fame special teams player. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you got to show them that importance, how it is important to the game. I mean, because everybody... I don't think anybody comes into the league saying, I want to be the best special team player in the league. They all come in, I want to be the best running back. I want to be the best receiver, the best DB or whatever. So just show them the importance of special teams. But a lot of the colleges have done a great job of that. If you see some of the uh, the better programs in college, you see like Alabama has Heisman receivers covering punts. And it's like, okay. So colleges really help that out a lot. But for the difference is really that. Um, making sure guys know the importance of it, how it um, relates to the other phases of the game, field position, all that. And then um, just you get a chance to deal with all, pretty much everybody on the team. So it's six phases of special teams, and then you also get to work with the quarterback some. They're the backup holders. Mm. You got to know a lot of situational football whenever you're dealing with um, special teams, whereas if I was just a DB coach, I mean, I would know my situations on defense, but – it's a lot of specialty situations that, that come up maybe once or two times a year, but you have to be constantly practicing those or you'll kind of embarrass yourself whenever they come up during the season. So just that situational football, dealing with everybody, and then the importance of letting really the younger guys know how important special teams is. And so how are the ways – I know Keith Armstrong is the coordinator for special teams and then Chris Boniel is the kicking specialist. How do you work – with both of them, or just in general, how does all the special teams coaching work and the, di- the division of labor, essentially? So I love the way Armstrong um, does it. He's not a guy that is just going to be, oh, his way or the highway. Like, right before you came and got me, he was in my office, like, make sure you got three ideas for this, three ideas, three, five ideas. So we kind of, like, each one of us make our own game plan, and then we get together, and he picks what he likes. He um, critiques us, well, I wouldn't do this because of that. If you do this, you're vulnerable here. So that helps me and Chris grow into hopefully one day, whatever, becoming a coordinator or growing our role there. But for me, my specific role, I break down all the guys on the other special teams, so our opponent. And you got to do it phase by phase because sometimes a guy, he'll be an animal on the punt kickoff team, but he doesn't really want to be out there on kickoff return or something like that. So I'm breaking down those guys individually. And then um, Armstrong, he does more of the – their schemes, breaks down the schemes, and then he gives that to Chris, and Chris the one type type up the schemes. I type up the uh, written reports, and Chris coaches the specialists. So you'll see him coaching the kickers, the punters, the snappers. He'll be with the returners. So he does a good job of uh, 
Armstrong does a good job of not trying to make forcing himself to do everything. Mm. And I know that you, you mentioned the long snappers, and this is quite a roller coaster year for you guys <laughs> with the snapper winning this. Typically, that's a very steady eddy position. You got one guy, no one really thinks about your long snapper unless something's gone horribly wrong. And then you end up having to lose Trenner, bring in somebody else, then Trenner goes on the COVID list, then he comes off of it. It's been a little bit more of a whirlwind than, than typical years. Uh, so what, what was that like for you guys to, to have to deal with and at times where you didn't know who was going to be playing this role? It kind of reminds you just to make sure you're coaching up everybody. So anybody that's in the building, make sure you're preparing them, coaching them up. So it's um, so it seems like when it's happening, sometimes it can kind of feel maybe, I don't want to say overwhelming for us because we're used to it, but really for the people outside looking in, a lot of times they get more flabbergasted or <laughs> whatever than we do. It's just who's ever here, coach them up. Cause mm -hmm. What else can you do? Yeah. Um, you can sit here, you can stress over it, you can waste time thinking if this, if that. But just who's ever here, coach him up and make sure everybody's prepared to go into the game. And so now you have been able to coach for a couple seasons, and I would love to hear what you've learned about coaching since you started and that transition from being a player here to a coach here and, and what that's sort of done for you growth-wise. So for me, I'm trying to just constantly grow, constantly learn. And as far as coaching, now I see a lot of times what a coach was saying to me, hmm. and, but it's a little bit different when you're a coach and you sit there, you watch film for 14 hours a day. <laughs> Whenever you say something, it has a little more meaning um, to you sometimes than the player. So just having both perspectives, I try to be that translator sometimes where, yes, to me, this is simple, but this guy's, he still has to learn his offense or defense just in case somebody go down. He's not studying 14 hours of film a day like I am. So just trying to be that translator, um, that middleman, um, that's been big for me. And then obviously it's the hours, <laughs> but the more efficient you come with it, the better those hours can be, especially working with Bruce Aarons. You have a chance, like I still have a chance to um, see my family often. I put my kids to sleep most nights. So from that perspective, I love that part of it. That's incredible. And that is something that he prioritizes so much. And I know he plans on making sure everybody has time to celebrate Christmas with their family this weekend. And that is, I, I'm sure, one of the many things that has inspired kind of the loyalty of this coaching staff seen as people that's been with him for decades. Um, I do love that you said you finally see what coaches were saying to you. Have you have you admitted to any of your old coaches that that's the case? Or are you keeping that to yourself? <laughs> no, I do. I do. I got a good conversation. So like um, Coach Hope was my DB coach here. He's in Atlanta now. So talking to him before the game, just some of the stuff he would tell me back then. And I didn't even know it didn't make sense to me when he was telling me. Like I thought it made sense. Mm. But now I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's exactly what he went. And just the detail of it. If you can... I think a coach, you can really get the details to what the coach is thinking. If you can find a way to translate that to the player, that, that's huge. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize the difference in player and coach's hours. Like you brought up the idea of, of the hours and getting used to that. So what have been the biggest differences in that? And, and maybe did you even understand as a player the kind of hours that coaches were putting in? No, I did not. I used to wonder, like, because sometimes – you be uh, you feel like the coach is giving you almost the same game plan like every week. So I'm like, what exactly are you watching <laughs> film on? <laughs> like you're because I hear about coaches being in there, whatever. Um, yeah. Some coaches like staying late to midnight. Others like coming early, three or four o'clock in the morning, whatever their style is. But I'm like, what exactly are you doing? <laughs> if it's the same game plan, we changed like two plays. That was it. 
So, but now I see why what they were doing, like preparing for the opponent, seeing what they do, what they don't do. Um, kind of lost my train of thought right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great though. The, so yeah, the, the hours, how, how many hours do you feel like you end up putting in a week? Uh, for me, I, I try to be an early riser, but I can't find a way to come in before Bowles or uh, <laughs> yeah. Coach Moore. Yeah, they come in at what, like 4 a.m., something crazy? Coach Moore's before that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Those are crazy people. I've been trying to beat him so I can uh, – my son just started soccer, so I can get out and go see – catch his soccer practices. But So I've been walking in the building right at 4 and – there's already cars here. Those two are already here. That's insane. We're talking to defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy. Um, because you did have a lot of experience at safety, I would love to get your take on just the overall, the DBs this year, all the injuries, all the shifting around. And if you were imagining you playing in, in the situation like that, what were some of the biggest challenges of what they went through and then why they were able to still get us to a position where we're fighting for a division title, even with all of those different injuries and changes that happened? Well, I think it starts with just like our depth that we talked about. Like we had a lot of talented guys, first of all, and then just making sure all those guys are prepared to play. That's one thing I try to tell to the younger special teams guys. Like, yes, you got to be ready for special teams, but also you got to be ready if something happened on defense because you're one or two plays away. I say safety is a physical position. Most of the time you're tackling those big tight ends, big running backs, like you gonna have shoulder injuries, like you're gonna have injuries where those guys come out. Corner, you're doing a lot of running, you're gonna have hamstring injury, whatever, soft tissue injury. So you gotta be prepared for when that opportunity comes. Then I just try to tell them, you might only have one opportunity, so make it count. You might not have any, but I be- I'd rather be prepared than, I, uh, than not get a chance. And then instead of not being prepared and then getting that chance and embarrassing myself. So. <laughs> right, yeah, that's never good on national television. Uh-huh. Um, how about, t- tell us about our safeties and let's start with Antoine Winfield Jr. of what you saw from him coming in as a rookie without an off season, having to play all the way through to the Super Bowl, what he was able to accomplish and then what you've seen from him this year as well. So just his maturity when he first came in, the way he prepared, the way he took care of his body, um, the constantly asking questions, getting the questions from, uh, getting the answers from Coach Rapone, but then he had Cody Graham with another guy like me played here and now coaching, so getting his perspective and just, he would get everybody's own perspective, but he understood that he couldn't do what everybody was saying. So he knew the best way he played, um, he knew what he did well, what he didn't do well, he knew what he needed to work on. So just that maturity level from him coming in. And how about Jordan Whitehead? And We'd missed him for a couple weeks and then got to have him back this last game. What does he mean in this lineup? Yes, he sets the tone. He's a tone setter. I think that's clear to see. Um, I always joke about him. I say, you the one ran me out of this building, so <laughs> you got some big shoes to fill. But I just remember the first play, um, his first preseason game, we was playing Miami. Like, I was guarding a tight end. He came and hit somebody like the hardest I've ever seen somebody get hit in my life. And I was like, wow, this kid is special. But just so the same thing. So his maturity, he's kind of that guy. He do a lot of a lot of the uh, behind the scenes stuff, leading the group. Um, like, yes, Antoine is very mature on the field, but a lot of times Whitehead would be the one leading him off the field. He gets everybody uh, in the same track, everybody lined up right. So that's the, kind of the role he feels. So he's a tone setter, yes, with his physicality, but also preparation off the field too. We were talking to Devin White on our show yesterday, and he talked about how this scheme he thinks is very um, safety-driven because, of, Col- of course, <laughs> Coach Bowles played safety. He was like, not hard to figure out why that's the case. Tell us, do you agree with that? And, and if so, what does that mean as someone who played safety? 
what that means and the way it kind of sets those guys up for success or, or maybe asks a lot of them? So I'm not in their meetings all the time. I'll help out at practice. I'm not always in their meeting. So as far as the details of the scheme, I can't tell you that. But I do see all the plays they make. make. I do see all the different roles they play in which that looks exciting to me. And they make it look exciting when they're doing it. But, You're like, dang, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but they're asked to do a lot. You'll see them split out guard and receiver. You'll see them deep half, deep middle, quarter, blitzing, um, playing linebacker, playing corner. So a lot is asked for them. And I think, it, well, it definitely comes from bowls. But they, we draft and acquire guys who we think that can handle it. All right, we still have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health with defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues, brought to you by Advent Health. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We have defensive and special teams assistant Keith Tandy with us. And uh, we talked a little bit about the safeties. Um, we didn't get to finish talking about all of them. So Mike Edwards coming back now, being able to play this next week. Per snap, this dude ends up with the ball in his hands more than anyone in the league, I feel like. <laughs> Tell me what you've seen from him since he's come in and the ways he's grown and, and just been able to make so many splash plays. So the first thing is just his natural ball skills. He played a lot of different sports growing up. I think that's huge for him. But just his ball skills, his anticipation, he doesn't have wasted movement like coming in and out of his breaks. So a lot of times you'll see guys where they have a little false step or they might have a little like hitch in their back or something where they, but he doesn't have that wasted movement. He takes great angles. Sometimes you'll see guys breaking behind the receivers, but he takes great angles like right at the receiver or right in front of them. And he's going for the ball, his mentality. He's not looking to get a pass break up. He's looking to come down with that ball. Andrew Adams, another guy that wasn't even here with us you know, the whole beginning of the season and then has been asked to step in to fill some pretty big shoes these last few weeks. And another guy that he's had so many different interceptions or big plays in his limited time that he has played with us. What makes him able to come in and be able to, to be a difference maker and, and fill some pretty big shoes very quickly? He's the ultimate pro. Whatever you ask him, he does it. doesn't complain no matter his role, no matter how big, no matter how small. He's constantly trying to learn. He's constantly trying to pay it forward and help the younger guys out in the room. And I think that's a huge deal. A lot of times you'll realize either how well or how, how well you understand something when you start explaining it to somebody else. And so I think that's helped him take his game to another level. But then he just has that body type and mentality where he can do a lot of different things. Like everybody doesn't have that where they're able to move well enough to guard guys, where they're able to um, physical enough to tackle big running backs, big tight ends, but then also the mentality to go out there and do the same thing on special teams. So just the ultimate pro, take care of his body on and off the field, and that's allowed him to get where he is now. Talking about a pro, uh, Richard Sherman comes in here and in a span of just a few weeks is not playing for a team, playing a whole bunch of snaps, basically wearing a headset as a coach, and then all of a sudden playing some snaps at safety in a different <laughs> position. What did you know about him coming in here, just having watched him for so many years, and then to, to see how quickly he was able to pick everything up here and try to contribute, whether it was on the field or even kind of as a coach on the sideline? So I knew the same thing like everybody else knew, just his high level of play, very smart player. But now I see he's even smarter than I realized, like watching him, the way he talks about the game, talks about concepts. And the way he's able to explain that to the younger guys and make it simple to them. So a lot of time it's complicated uh, concepts these offenses have, but he knows how to simplify it and give um, the other corners, other uh, safeties, 
just one or two things to think about, key on, and that'll tell you as far as your responsibility, what the offense is going to do. So that's been huge from there. And then same thing, his preparation, um, film room, uh, meetings, body, that's been huge for our, because we had a young secondary, so that's been huge for those guys also. After a tough loss like this last week, what do you remember as a player about what needed to happen after a game like that? What are the messages that you guys as coaches are trying to convey, you know, and, and what has Bruce tried to convey as well to make sure that this doesn't turn into one of those things where it can snowball a little bit, that you're able to really move on and it not become a snowball problem? I think the big thing that Bruce does, coaches do, is just having um, a process that you stick by and don't change it because of one loss. Every time after every game, we go through what we did well, what we can improve on. Like Bruce, he's going to call you out. He's going to have <laughs> your, your MEs, your lows. He's going to have all that. That doesn't change win, lose, or draw. So just making sure we go through that. And if something glaring, just address it. Like whether like earlier in the season it was the penalties, so he addressed it and put an emphasis on it. And then like as an assistant coach, I try to just keep emphasizing, all right, the penalties, 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 but like how can we fix that? Or why are those a problem to make sure we address it that way? So looking at the Panthers, the fact they are two of your last three regular season games here, what are the biggest things you guys are noticing about them or working on in terms of scouting them? So that's what we're in the middle of right now. Um, so for us on special teams, we're going to start our game plan in a couple of hours. So right now it's just breaking down all, for me, it's breaking down all the players. I haven't necessarily studied the scheme like it. Obviously you'll pick up some of the scheme when you're watching it. I have it written down what they do, but I haven't like studied it, studied it yet. But so far, discipline football team, they have some linebackers and some guys that can run on special teams. Obviously we know um, about Cam Newton been playing against him for a while on, on defense. So once we get, I'll let you know in a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. So then finally, what are some of the um, pros and cons of playing a team twice in three games? What are, what are the challenges of that? I think the biggest pro is you don't have to break down all that film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple weeks from now you're going to have already done all the work. Yes, so that's, that's definitely the biggest pro. But then, um, like, they're going to know what you do that second time. You're going to know what they do. You're going to know some of their words. They'll know some of your words. I don't think it's a con. Like, I try to use it to my advantage, so. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. All right, well, Keith, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. We really appreciate it. I know you got a lot going on, so good luck with the game plan, and thanks for taking some time out for us. Uh, no problem. Once again, thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for all of you guys for listening as well. This has been Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network.